Welcome into the Please Stay Inside podcast. My name is Rob. This is episode number 11. We are joined today by Geo, a musician and survivor. You can find him at geonationempire.com or on Spotify as GeoNation. Geo, welcome on. Hey! <laughs> it is... Uh, rockin', Rob? <laughs> not a whole lot, man. Uh, we were just talking beforehand. Uh, Geo and I, I think, have known each other uh, just through TikTok comment sections and live comments for probably about a year at this point. Um, Geo has been uh, incredibly supportive and uh, ha- has, has offered a lot of encouragement for me over the years. So uh, I, for one, am very happy to be able to talk with you. Yeah. Um, so, Rob, can I just say that yeah. I'm a, okay, I'm a huge fan, so I'm coming, so I'm coming on here as a guest, but like, also a fan um for those of you who don't know rob what turned me on to rob was he had he has a youtube channel and he he talked about um his college experience and Mm. he was so transparent and so articulate and so vulnerable and i've never heard um someone articulate um the cycle of addiction that well and a light bulb went off in my head and i was like wait a minute and then the turning point was he did a live stream um, with his dogs, and <laughs> what really, what, what really, like, the light bulb that went off in my head was, so, he gives his dog treats on his live stream, and he kneeled down, made eye contact with his dog, and gave him the treat, which, if you study body language, that is a sign of humility, and love, and grace, and warmth, and acceptance, like, when you kneel down to someone's eye level to acknowledge them, so I was like, He's a good guy. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take that all day. I know we um we still have a lot of people uh, pushing for us to bring back the morning live stream. So um, I'm hoping that at some point we can we can get either that back up and going or some semblance of it up and going. Uh, maybe once life calms down a little bit for sure. Um, but yeah, Gio, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, uh, so my name's Gio. Um, my stage name is Geo Nation. Um, I'm from all over, everywhere, everything, all at once. Uh, <laughs> I was born in I was born in Connecticut, um, raised in Virginia, and then when I was 22, I moved to California to pursue entertainment full time, music specifically. Um, and then I was out there for about eight years, and then um, came over to New York, got a job unexpectedly. Um, and then moved my life over there, and yeah, wow. been there ever since. What what is it that brought you to New York? What was the the gig? Uh, are we getting into trauma this early? Uh, oh my goodness, <laughs> I didn't mean so, to, but <laughs> no, it's okay. So let me tell you. Um, so what actually happened was, and this is all public record, and also I've spoken about this on major news outlets just for awareness, and I'm very transparent. Um, so I was in. So I was in a car accident Mm. um, that wasn't my fault. It was due to the irresponsibility um, of the driver. He was under the influence, and I was temporarily paralyzed. And um, yeah, and then went into deep debt and homelessness um, due to that entire situation, which don't get into a car accident ever. Try not to, because if you don't have money, it's a nightmare. (laughs) I didn't have any money because I was a musician. So I was like probably at the lowest point of my life and my best friend who's also a musical collaborator of mine named Jemisee he's amazing 
um, I called them and I was just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. What does it all mean? What is life? Um, and he called me. He's like, okay, calm down. He said, he said, you need to get out of there. Like, you just need to get away and like clear your head. So all that was going on. Um, and he graciously, he bought my plane ticket and was like, here, come stay with me. We'll figure this out. And then, um, yeah, I started writing music with him and then I ended up getting a job through an agency because oh, they were wow. looking for singers. Um, yeah, and let me tell you, they paid me double what they paid in LA. Wow. Because apparently I did it backwards. You're uh -huh. supposed to you're, you're supposed to um you're supposed to make it in New York and then move to LA. I mm. did it the other way around because in LA if you're not a name brand, you get like I was banging on people's doors begging for them like please let me perform, please let me spin fire, let me sing, let me do whatever mm -hmm. for peanuts and then going to like my night job. Wow. Um but New York they're like, "Oh, you can sing? When can you start?" Like wow. It's so much better to work. Jeez, yeah, that, that I always thought that you know you just go to LA. Like <laughs> I thought that was that was how it goes. Goodness. Me too. I was wrong. <laughs> wow. So I mean, let's let's I guess get into a little bit of um, what it is that you do. You know, you're you're performing your music, um, all of that. Um, so musically, what is it that initially really kind of sparked something in you? Really got you into music? Okay. Um. Are you <laughs> There's a point, I promise. Um, are you familiar sure. with Avatar, The Last Airbender? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Okay. Okay. So, um, the original show is iconic. It's not my favorite. Um, mm -hmm. I'm Legend of... I'm all about Legend of Korra. In mm -hmm. fact, I was just watching it before we got on this live stream. <laughs> um, so, in terms of music, um, you know how Aang never wanted to be the Avatar? He just kind of wanted to do his thing. And the whole his whole character arc was him like discovering what that meant and him taking his role. That was never me. I was Korra. Mm. I came right out of the womb being like, I'm the Avatar, you better deal with it. Uh -huh. like, I'm like, I'm a musician, I'm a performer, this is who I am, and nothing's gonna stop me, this will be my career. Mm. Like, <laughs> so like, wow. it, it was just kinda, I, it, there was no discovery, I just like, popped out of the womb and I'm like, yep. This is mm. what I'm, this is who I am. Wow. Where did you, uh, I guess, where did you start musically? Like, what was the first thing that you picked up? Um, well, originally singing and dancing, just like singing around the house. Mm -hmm. Um, my mom's huge on music. She's actually a better singer than me. Wow. She's like a church lady. Mm. So, like, <laughs> she sings with, like, um, yeah, at, like, the Kingdom Hall. It's not called a church. It's called the Kingdom Hall. Mm -hmm. Um, but, yeah, so she sings there, and, um, She's lovely. So she basically, she started me off. She was like, all right, this is who you need to listen to. Um, she's very soul, very R&B, very disco. So um, I would, she had this disco um, cassette that I would listen to mm -hmm. and I would dance around the house like a little fairy listening to like <laughs> disco music. <laughs> um, so yeah, I started there and then I was in school choir. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, um, I was like, also, I hated school. I was terrible. Mm. Oh, goodness. <laughs> um, I, um, yeah, so chorus, and then I turned 18, and then I started performing in retirement homes, and then I did um, music therapy with Alzheimer's and dementia. I got oh, certified wow. in that, and I did that for a while. Um, I would... And then I got tired of singing other people's songs, mm -hmm. which, if you know me, 
I love all music. I want to sing my own songs. I have my own voice, my own mm -hmm. thoughts, and my own opinion. That you like, do. I have like, I, like I'm not one of those artists who's like, I can just be a cover band. Where, where there's nothing wrong with that, but it's so not me. Mm. Like, I have a voice and I want it to be heard, so Absolutely. I will sing my diary. Um, Absolutely, <laughs> love that. Um, so yeah, so um, that's when I moved to California. I was like, all right, I was like, I need to figure out how to do this, how to brand myself. And then mm -hmm. um, my background's in theater, so I had to kind of unlearn everything in theater and mm -hmm. learned how to do like television and the subtlety of camera and social media and all that stuff. And then um, I learned branding from RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I didn't, like I watch reality TV with a notebook Really? So oh, like, wow. all, my, all my friends will make fun of me. Oh. Okay, maybe you can appreciate this from a psych, uh -huh. from a psychological act, like aspect. Yeah. Like reality TV it's is amazing. fascinating. It's the best. It, it's it's incredible, and it's just like you learn so much about um, mm -hmm. how people appear, how they want to appear, mm -hmm. what they're presenting to camera, what they aren't. Like it's just so. I would watch that show and I would take notes. I'd be like, "This is how you're burning yourself. This is what you're feeling." And this is what you're actually performing. This is like, like, so I learned a lot and I learned how to brand myself, how to come up with a name and marketing and all that mm -hmm. stupid, boring stuff. But yeah. Wow. I mean, there's, there's so much that you mentioned there that I'm trying to, yeah, I guess, sorry, I know, no, I no you're, you're all good. You're all good. Um, I mean, I totally feel the reality TV point. I mean, anything TLC, anything that VH1 used to do, like I'm, I'm on board with that. Uh, my most recent comfort show, I think I can't remember who I was talking about this with before, um, but Flavor of Love is like, I love that show <laughs> so much. New York. Yes, New York, New York is. Bye, pumpkin. Yes. Bye. One of the most iconic scenes in all of television, uh, for sure. Just the, the spitting and running away is <laughs> so amazing. Oh, she I, did it on camera. She did. She did. On camera. Like, she, New York gives zero, like, she she's so un unapologetically herself mm -hmm. and although she i would is. never act like that in that situation there's mm -hmm. kind of a weird appreciation for right. the authenticity she brings mm -hmm. even though i don't agree but like, yes you always knew who new york was all, all the time and yeah. you, you gotta appreciate something like that um love you <laughs> tiffany pollard <laughs> <laughs> so uh, going back a little bit, so I know you mentioned that you had gotten certified in music therapy and you were doing a lot of that. Can, can you tell me a little bit about that? Because I'm not really all that familiar with the music therapy space. Oh my God, you said that and I got goosebumps. Um, <laughs> so what I love about, and I consider what I do nowadays music therapy too, mm -hmm. but just in a different, um, um, through a different lens. But so I did music therapy with Alzheimer's and dementia. I worked at a retirement home called Burnham Woods Retirement Community. Love you guys. Shout out to Myra. Hmm. Um, <laughs> um, so basically, um, with Alzheimer's and dementia, um, when a lot of things, um, when, when motor skills and memory and when that loss um, starts to happen and things start to um, go downhill and then plateau, Music is the last thing to leave the brain. So mm. what was so magical and so beautiful about singing with um, people with who had dementia and Alzheimer's in their 80s and 90s and some were even 100 is that um, there was one woman who um, she couldn't speak. She couldn't speak. She never said a word. Um, and she was very just disconnected from everything. 
when I started singing, this beautiful soprano voice came out. Every word, every lyric, every melody. And this woman could not speak. She could not formulate a sentence or a thought. But um, so like watching that magic unfold was so beautiful and so enriching. And it was just like, it didn't matter that um, she couldn't speak English. Like what, what mattered was we were connecting through music. We were speaking through the language of music. It was so beautiful. Mm. Um, and then the other thing I realized, cause I did this for eight years, eight, nine years. Um, what really gave me perspective with working with the elderly, which if you haven't, y'all need to work with the elderly, mm. <laughs> like highly recommend it. Um, and I also did hospice care after that, which was so heavy, right. um, but very rewarding. And one of the things I learned, which I will say, like, till the end of time is I've worked hospice, I've watched people on their deathbed, I've, I've helped them transition from that point of life to another point of life. And there are only a couple things that people say um, in their last moments. Two things out of all the people I've seen. The first thing is, I wish I married the love of my life. Mm. And the second is, I wish I saw my family more. That's it. Wow. No one ever mentions work. No one ever mentions their house. No one mentions their car. It's always, I didn't marry the love of my life. Mm. And I wish I saw my family more. Wow. So like hearing that so many times really put things in perspective. Because these were, if you can afford in-home care, you've got hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars. Mm. So these are people who have had long, lucrative, beautiful careers have traveled the world. That's what they said. So mm. I was like, okay. Wow. <laughs> I'm starting to get like... Jeez, I mean, even just, I, I mean, being separated from that moment and talking about it now, I, you know, makes me think a lot about things. What was that like for you being in that moment and just being enveloped in, you know, just the, this person's final moments, hearing them talk about things like that? Um, I, I, it's weird because I, all the people I took care of mm. had long, fulfilling lives. Mm. Um, so I didn't, um, it was just beautiful yeah. to see, um, to see just the love the families had for their parents and in their final moments, people showing up. Mm. And one of the, one of the other things I'll never forget is, um, one one of the um, one of the um, women I took care of, she was she was 102. Um, she was hospice and and she had dementia. Even in all of that, she could barely move. Mm-hmm. Um, she still she was a mother her entire life. She still had um, she still wanted to take care of other people. Hmm. So, which I thought was so. Her daughter came. And her daughter was, um, she laid her head on her chest and she was crying and her mother just started brushing her hair and stroking her head. And a lot of times people think like, um, with people who are elderly, they're like, I need to take care of you. What do you need? What do you Mm -hmm. need? What do you need? They forget about the human need that we all need to take care of each other. Mm. It's it's a two way street. It's, it's imbalanced for one person to be only taking care of someone 24 hours a day. It's not like Mm -hmm. psychologically healthy. It's not how we're made. So, um, people who are elderly want to feel loved and useful and they want right. to contribute. So let them contribute. 
Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. And I love the perspective that you brought up earlier of working with the elderly so that you can hear these kinds of perspectives. Because one of the things that, you know, in working with elderly clients, and one I, I've um, read a good bit on, on working with the elderly as well, is that there is that, that fear of just not having a use anymore, of just not having a reason for, for being around. Which, I mean, honestly, right. I think all of us can relate to. We all want to be useful. We all want to have meaning in things. And I, I can appreciate that you brought that, that, that piece up. I feel like that is so important. Yeah, I agree. So music, and, and I mean, in, in talking about meaning, music is something that seems to have been like a string that's attached to all of the various things that have happened in your life. So I guess take me a bit of a bit through, I guess, what music has done for you as you've mm -hmm. gotten older, as you've gone through what you've gone through. What, what has music done for you? Saved my life. Okay. <laughs> Pure and, pure and simple. Um, yeah. I Once I, okay, so a game changer for me was, because um, I grew up in the South and everything's mm -hmm. very one way. Yes, um, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so I, how do I phrase this? Um, I'm, 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 I'm just going to, through the lens of my experience, school was very linear. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is life is not linear. And you can experience, as you know, contradicting emotions all at once. You can feel happy and sad at the same time. You can feel, there's a whole rainbow of emotions you can be feeling at the same time. Like, um, for instance, anger, there's always something underneath anger. Mm -hmm. So you're not just angry. You're angry because you're hurt. You're angry because you're disappointed. You're angry because you don't feel seen. Mm -hmm. Like there's so many layers to humans and emotions and it's all, it's a giant rainbow and a giant spectrum. And being taught linearly mm -hmm. was so unhelpful because mm -hmm. I felt like, oh, like, um, so much of the time I felt like what I was feeling was wrong. And music isn't like that. Music mm -hmm. is a spectrum. You can, you can be angry at the fact that you feel angry about something mm -hmm. because there's a guilt associated with that. Um, and I love communicating those emotions through music and melody and yes. song. Um, so, um... Yeah, once you get, um, yeah, I like getting into, like, the science of that. Like, oh, I'm going to use, like, a diminished chord because a mm -hmm. diminished chord has, like, a, um, it leaves something open. It leaves, mm. there's more of, like, um, a dark depth and mystery. Mm. It's, like, it's kind of, like, it's kind of, like, composing music is kind of, like, cooking where mm. you can use salt and pepper. Ain't nothing wrong with a little salt and pepper. Ain't nothing wrong with a little pop, mm. E minor, C, G, D, pop chord progression, but, like, Sometimes you want to throw in a little saffron. Sometimes right. you want to throw in a little um, smoked paprika or like um, umami flavor or like, mm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love that. It, it leaves things open for creativity. It's not that linear process like you're talking about. Yeah. I'm sorry, was that a, did I go off on a tangent? No, you're, your you're, you're all good, you're all good. So I mean, in, okay. in, in talking about, I mean, what, what music does for you, I mean, it seems like it, it's far more than, I, I don't know how to explain it, like sometimes things can feel very textbook when we aren't fully involved in them, when they don't have a lot of meaning to us. And so I think in like the way that you describe music, it, you know, you can hear the, the depth of the experience of it, that it's not just that I can identify the chords or the notes and any of that stuff. It's that you, you feel what this kind of chord means, what these kinds of notes mean, which I think speaks to, to what that, that has for you in your life. Um, 
so I guess in in talking about you because you are here and I, I really want to uh, want to be able to, to talk more about you as well so okay. I know you mentioned that growing up you know mom was was very much into music got you very much into music we could we could take this this slowly if you'd like to. No, keep going, uh, keep but, going. I'm just being sad. <laughs> uh, so take me a little bit through, I guess, what growing up was like. Yeah, let, let's just kind of start there. <laughs> okay, so um, this is a multifaceted, multi-level. This is a pyramid scheme. No, I'm kidding. Yes, <laughs> this, this is where we sell the MLM. <laughs> there um there are layers. Um, so. If we're gonna break down my life into um, eras, because that's what's trending. This is my villain era. This is my mm -hmm. era. Okay. So, <laughs> from age zero um, to I would say twelve was perfect, and I have mm -hmm. great parents. My mom is a master of psychology. None of us have degrees, but um, me and her study. We read a lot. We listen to podcasts like I like I'm fascinated with psychology. I spend at least an hour or two a day um, reading about psych um, and she's the same way. Like we're just like obsessed with it. So she was a great mom because she knew when to discipline, when not to discipline. And um, she could read emotions, energies, feelings very, very well. So she knew when I was lying mm -hmm. <laughs> and she knew how to discipline and when to um when to pull back, when to give me my space. Um, so I, great childhood in Connecticut, like amazing. Like my parents are great. And then I turned 13. Mm. <laughs> Faithful 13. And then I turned 13 and um, was severely bullied at school mm. um, for being queer, for being different and for not thinking linearly. And this was in Virginia. And you know, Virginia's like Baptist mm. styles and they're like, why do you, why are you wearing pink shoelaces, boy? Mm -hmm. Like they were, mm. they were, um, they were awful to me. And wow. um, physically, emotionally, and psychologically, yes, physically, mm. I did get, <laughs> um, I did get roughed up a bit. Um, mm. So, um, so yeah, so that, um, <laughs> What was your question? Growing up. Okay, yeah. So, um, my teens to my 20s were awful. I was in and out of therapy um, on every medication you could ever think of. Lithium is the worst. It did not work for mm. me. I, I hope it, I hope mood stabilizers did not work for me. If it works for you, great. I hope some of this medicine is helping people. It did not help me. Oh. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> oh, it, it didn't, or let's say it didn't, um, it wasn't helpful towards me. It didn't interact with my neurochemistry mm -hmm. um, in a way at which we hope. And I was um, also, as you know, therapy is not linear. Sure. I went through many therapists and mm -hmm. um, was prescribed, was diagnosed falsely many times from bipolar to borderline to, um, um, which is no fault on the therapist, because let's face it, 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 it's hard being a therapist. Like you can't, mm -hmm. and you're, you can't incept yourself into someone's mind when you only talk mm -hmm. to them for like an hour, like once a week. Like that's right. an unrealistic expectation to walk in and be like, well, you're the therapist, you have a degree in this, tell me what's wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, sure. come on, let's be realistic. So I'm not blaming anybody. I'm just mm -hmm. saying, 
the mind is like there's a galaxy a universe inside of all of our minds and you can't mm-hmm. expect the therapist to know every crevice every corner even if you've known them for years like it's right. yeah you have to, anyway I'm t- no I, I hear you anyway, so yeah and, I hear you and, um yeah in and out of therapy um and then yeah I moved out um when I was 19 cause um um, my parents are Jehovah's Witnesses, and I realized that um, although I held a lot of the, the values and um, ideals, which not knocking the religion at all, because we, I don't agree with everything, mm-hmm. um, but um, I was taught um, about love and giving right. freely and um, family values and love and peace, and I was taught public speaking which was a very useful skill from the age of seven. Um, I was on the, it's called the public ministry school and I Mm. learned everything there is to know about public speaking. I spoke in front of thousands of people sometimes. Wow. Um, So, which really set me up for life. Mm -hmm. Um, On the other hand, (laughs) Mm. um, um, in a queer space, we do not agree and we don't see eye to eye. And it took me a Mm. while to figure out that everyone we're all human and everyone has the right to believe what they believe as long as it's not hurting anybody yes um so you have to let people you have to let people live and um if you really want to make a difference you have to prove it by the life you live and the actions you take so me Mm -hmm. sitting on a pedestal being like you can't treat us this way this is human rights this is wrong like what like I have to lead by example because mm. no amount of words is going to change someone's mind. If I lead by example and I'm a and I'm a good person and I give to others and I help and I get people to appreciate the love inside themselves and self-identify, mm. that's what's going to change public perception, not me standing on a soapbox. Is is that important sometimes? Mm. Yes, because we do need to speak out, but ultimately mm. the example you set is by the life you live. So sure. If I live a life of love, that's going to speak volumes more than me um, picketing outside of a kingdom hall, being Mm. like, how dare you? (laughs) Mm. At the same time, I imagine that it must be difficult to lead by love sometimes, especially, you know, when being part of the LGBTQ community, you can, you know, hear some of the things that you hear. I imagine it might be difficult to, to maintain that sometimes. It's really, it's, um... It's really bad. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. lie. And people are like, things are getting better. Things are getting better. Mm-hmm. I still walk down the street and get called every name you could ever think of, just for, mm-hmm. um, just for being alive and being myself. Which, hi, um, none of us asked to be here. We mm-hmm. all share the planet. Wouldn't mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you, like, I don't, I don't understand why me just existing, um, ruffles people's feathers. And then, um, back to Legend of Korra. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> what really. Um, a really that show literally changed my life. Um, the turning point for me was in season four, where the villain Kovira is after her. She's completely mm-hmm. antagonistic, and then towards the end, um, they have this beautiful moment where she's like, "Why are you showing me compassion? Why are you showing me sympathy? I've mm-hmm. been against you. I've been horrible to you." And she said something along the lines of i see a lot of myself in you you're fierce you're determined to succeed she's like i Mm. see the humanity in you i see the pain of you being an orphan and i understand that you're acting from a place of hurt 
Mm. And I see the humanity in you. Do you have to pay for the crimes you committed? Absolutely. But um, so when I learned that um, when people have a problem with me mm. or when people lash out or are cruel to me, those people are sad. Those people were abused. Those people were, and it's all just, we're not educated on ourselves mm. or how to process those emotions. So mm. um, it's funny when I'm driving, one of the things I say, if someone's mean on the road or flicks me off, um, I say, they might be going through a divorce. You don't right. know what kind of day they're going. You don't know, like, everyone is constantly misdirecting their feelings, mm. including myself. I'm not perfect. So you have to give people grace, and you have to understand when those people are yelling and screaming and picketing, they don't know. Like, they know, and there has to mm. be accountability, but you have to grant people grace because we're all hurting. It's hard to be in this world. Mm. So you have to see the humanity in each other. You have to have a balanced mm -hmm. view. So I'm not saying let people sure. push you around oh, no. and call you a sissy, because mm -hmm. I will call you out, but mm -hmm. you also have to see the humanity in people. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's that that is such a difficult thing to do. And I, I go back and forth on it myself a lot of the time. I, I find myself getting enveloped in the argument sometimes. Other times I'm more able to extend the grace and kind of move forward with things. Um, one of the things, cause I mean, I, I'm, I'm by myself. Um, and I didn't come out up until like a year ago, uh, because I, I have so many concerns about the way that people will take that. And even just like my best friends who I, I never really had a serious doubt that they would ever reject me for it. But there's still always like that thing in the back of your mind of just like, I don't know, like, I don't know how this is going to go. For, for you, how long have, have you been out for, if you don't mind me asking? <laughs> um, how long have I been out? Uh, a while. Uh, a while. 15? 16? Okay. Gotcha. Um, but also, like, I'm not, I'm not a day walker. And what I mean by that oh. is, honey, I can't hide. There's no... Mm. I can't, um, I can't code switch, nor do mm -hmm. I want to. Um, so like, and I have friends who are like all across the LGBTQIA spectrum, mm -hmm. um, who, you know, they, they walk around and no one ever questions, no one ever mm -hmm. has a problem, you know, they just assume, honey, no, that's it. with these mm -hmm. wrists, you see these wrists? Like, that, that was <laughs> not an option for me. <laughs> um, and also like, there's a certain freedom in just being 100% authentic. Mm. Even yes. though, like, I mean, it, that comes with a lot of hate, but also, like, mm -hmm. I want to be me. Like, like right. you know, from the Hunger Games, I, I just want to be me. I don't want right. them to change me. Right, <laughs> right. I, I feel that. Um, I, I know when, you know, in going to therapy, even just the whole time that I, uh, that I was kind of questioning and I was trying to figure out what was going on with me, um, you know, I wouldn't even tell therapists about it. And it was always, like, there would always be like these like moments in therapy where it would like be on like the tip of my tongue, like just tell one person that you feel like you're not straight. Just tell one person. Um, and when I started doing it, it started getting a lot easier. And, you know, there are still people who I haven't told in my life and, you know, it, it's still kind of difficult. Um, but yeah, I, I can appreciate the perspective of just wanting to be yourself. And that's one of the, 
I, I think one of the worst things when we're talking about how the LGBTQIA community is received is that they are just individuals who have not made a choice to do this. Individuals who were born this way, who are just trying to live their lives. And people are so misguided and view the community as this monolithic thing that is coming to attack everything that they love. And they are totally forgetting the humanity behind it and that everybody just wants to live just like they want to live their lives like other people just want to kind of be who they are. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I I completely agree and that I don't want to use this word but I can't think of another word. I thank you for sharing that. I was very that was very transparent and very brave and I really I I I appreciate that. And I know it's not when I when I first came out um saying even saying the words right. um it was like pushing myself off of an emotional um ledge. Even mm -hmm. when I was out they're like are you a little? And I'd be mm. like, yeah, mm. you know, I get like, yeah. <laughs> right. It was like almost like um, it felt counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not that's not anyone's fault. That's mm -hmm. the world putting those expectations on Absolutely. us, giving us linear thinking, and like making us seem like something's wrong with us for just being people. And the mm -hmm. one thing I will say is, all of those anti-LGBTQIA plus people. Um, from studying psych and from witnessing that myself, mm. um, why are you so bothered? Because mm. here's the thing, here's the thing. Nine times out of 10, those people picketing, those people who are like, Adam and Eve, not Adam and mm -hmm. Steve. Um, right, right. Those, those people are harboring same-sex tendencies. You wanna know why? Mm. And the example I always give is, so I'm not, um, I'm not a furry. Mm -hmm. That's just not my thing. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to go and attack that community yes. and those people. I'm not going to pick it. I'm, it's just like, I don't, as long as you're not hurting anybody, mm -hmm. I don't care. Just right. do what you do. Like, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't affect me. I'm not right. sitting up late at night staring at the ceiling being like, they put on those suits and they just walk around. Like, right. I don't care. Like, live your life. So right. Why do you care, Christians? Why do you mm -hmm. care so much? We're all just living our, like... Right. Why do you care? I, I heard like, this. Uh, be indifferent. Yeah, I, I heard this really interesting perspective um, that somebody had given because they were talking about how that's one of the things that often happens with with uh, the trans community is that there are people who really get hung up on just like I don't understand, you know. So what does this mean? What does this mean? Like you know, I even like one of my friends uh, has come. Had, come out as trans not too long ago um and when i said that i was hanging out with them you know i was explaining to to a family member that yeah they're they're trans and they were like okay so what do they go by like all this stuff and they were wonderful questions and all i, I really appreciated them trying to understand but one of the things that somebody had brought up is that you do not need to fully understand you should try you should try to get yourself there because this is entire an entire subsect of the population but you do not need to fully understand in order to have respect for somebody, in order to respect that that is who they are, right? Like, Thank you. I don't know everything about every religion, but I respect that you that you practice it. I don't know what it's like to be left-handed. I think this is one of the things that, that this creator had brought up. I wish I remember what their name was. Like, I don't know what it's like to be left-handed, but I don't hate you for being left-handed. Like, I don't understand the experience, but I'm cool with that. Uh, and and I, I really appreciated that way of putting it. Yeah. No, I, um, I completely understand. I, um, I don't know if you <laughs> I keep bringing up TV. I don't mm -hmm. know if you watch Pose. Um, I don't. But there's a, um, there's a 
fabulous show. Um, mm -hmm. There's a character who I actually met in real life on the streets of New York while she was oh, yeah? in season three of the show, and I was so excited. <laughs> um, but she, um, she gave a fabulous interview on YouTube, and she's trans, mm -hmm. and um, she had a very, very traumatic, traumatic upbringing, and she said, and the guy was talking about tolerance. Mm -hmm. He was like, tolerance and, um, you know, acceptance. And she, like, recoiled, and mm -hmm. she said, she said, why do we keep preaching about tolerance and acceptance? She said, we're all human. We're all in the same race of humanity. She was like, she was like, I may want you to understand me, but my basic human rights mm -hmm. have to be tolerated or accepted. She was like, mm -hmm. what does that even mean? Right. Like, like what? Like we should automatically just love and accept that we're all human. Mm -hmm. Like, like why does that have to be a thing? Why do why do we have to mm -hmm. preach about tol tolerance? I'm tolerating your your straightness mm -hmm. like right. <laughs> i'm tolerating your straightness uh -huh. i'm tolerating it's just like could you imagine if the conversation was reversed and i right. went to like a straight bar and i was like i'm tolerating you right um kissing your girlfriend it makes me mm -hmm. uncomfortable but i'm willing to tolerate like and we don't realize how degrading that is right. that's degrading it is like my life is not something for you to tolerate mm. like, that, <laughs> yeah like what? <laughs> right. That, I, I, that, that's a very reasonable point of view, I feel. Uh, yeah, I like that. I'm just, yeah, but like, we should just love each other. Absolutely. And we don't have to agree. We don't have to agree. And that's the beauty. And that's the beauty of humanity. Mm -hmm. Like, we can paint with all the colors of the wind, mm -hmm. or we can just like... <laughs> right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Plus, I mean, it's, it's all a distraction from the fact that corporate billionaires have bought the government, but... Aside from that, I don't. That's a, we could talk for like three hours oh. about the. Oh my goodness! We'll, we'll have a series. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! What like once you once you open your mind and you find out how things really work, mm -hmm. I got so depressed. Yeah, it's it's not great. One my, my, my girlfriend, uh, she does everything like environmental science, ecology, the environment. And she, every day that she like, comes back from a class, she's like, this sucks. <laughs> like, it's, it's it's not a happy major. Everything, mm -hmm. everything oh, yeah. comes down to money. And yes. it's so sad. And once I realized that, I was just like, I was like, yeah. okay. So, because I was brought up like very Moulin Rouge, beauty, mm -hmm. truth, freedom, love. Mm -hmm. So I was like, Love's the most powerful force in the universe. Love trumps all. Mm -hmm. um, not in this world. It is money. Yes, yes. It is money. Money can buy love. Like, money equals value. And then mm -hmm. we're. Um, I actually was speaking to one of my good friends, and he was he was very depressed, and um, um, he was just like, I just feel so worthless. And I said, I said, look, I said, I love America, but mm -hmm. we've been indoctrinated to believe that our worth is based on our earning potential, right? Especially as men, if we're not if we're not earning, what is our value? And mm -hmm. I said, how much you earn and how much you make has nothing to do with your value as a person. I said, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you go out and you work three jobs and you grind and you hustle, or if you sit home depressed, binge watching your favorite show, that has nothing to do with your value as a human. Mm -hmm. Like, absolutely. you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah we, we've misconstrued productivity for value um, because that's yeah. what is valuable in a capitalist society. But um, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a difficult 
subject for sure. Um, and so it's I, a casserole. I, it is, and I, I want to bring it. I want to. I do want to bring it back to you. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so I know we, we talked a bit about upbringing. I know you said that you, you came out around 16. Um, and so when, when you came out initially, I know around 13, it sounds like people were bullying you um, already at that point. When you came out at 16, how were you received? Horribly. <laughs> mm. Man. Are you kidding? Mm. There, <laughs> there was an angry mob around my hut. No, I wasn't like, um, mm. no, um, I was in Virginia, um, mm-hmm. so not good. And I was like, the amount of the amount of ideation that mm-hmm. went through my head right. on a daily basis was astronomically ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And thank God, I was like, I was like, okay, I was like, you guys want me not to be here? I was like, I will go and find a community that mm-hmm. actually. Um, loves and accepts me and that's part of the reason why i moved to la mm-hmm. um i mean also for music because hey yeah but like but um mostly because i was like i was like i was suffocated mm. i felt so suffocated mm-hmm. um and there are a lot of beautiful things about virginia i'm not like oh yeah um saying it's a terrible place but mm-hmm. um when i was there i was attacked mm. just for walking down the just because we're wearing pink shoelaces. Wow. People were attacking me physically. First of all, color doesn't have any gender or mm-hmm. like, so I, I, I just, I like, that's a whole nother ballpark. I sure. won't even get into that because a color is not feminine or masculine. That's right. not even a thing. So like, but anyway, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I had to, I had to move away and find people who, um, Actually, and you're in Maryland. Maryland's actually mm-hmm. a great community. I have yes, I, <laughs> I love Maryland. Um, over there, Maryland is. I don't know where you are, Bethesda, or I don't know where you are. <laughs> yeah, uh, close, close. I'm, I'm over in. Uh, I'm over. In, yeah, just outside of DC area. Okay. Yeah, great area. Yes, I love it a I've lot. Already there a lot. Yes, I, I find myself in DC a lot. Um, yeah, and I think part of I think being in this area had helped me a lot to getting to the coming out point as well. Cause I was in Southern Maryland, which was very like rural and, you know, and then I moved to Western Maryland, which was then just West Virginia should own that part of Maryland. It's just West Virginia. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. But that, that is such a shame that, so, so you're living this life that you are now out, you're, you know, you're embracing authenticity and mm-hmm. violence is being inflicted upon you. Yep, I'm being punished for it. Right. Punished. Which psychologically was, that was hard for me to wrap my brain around because like, I don't know what it is about this world, but being authentic and doing the right thing, yes. you often get punished for. Yes, yes. <laughs> like that whole no good deed, when Elphaba was like, no mm-hmm. good deed because I'm punished, I remember right. hearing that and being like, what you talk about? And now mm-hmm. that I'm an adult, I'm like, oh she's so right Mm -hmm. she was like sometimes you get punished for giving people love right right absolutely but you moved to la right um how did that adjustment i guess affect your mental health affect just how you were feeling about things i could breathe Mm, i believe it. the first time in my life i could breathe and you know what i realized Hmm. i wasn't crazy Mm -hmm. um 
I wasn't bipolar, which is what I was diagnosed with. I was around people who were threatening my well-being. Right. You were adapting. I wasn't borderline. I wasn't the acting out were all symptoms of the fact that people were threatening violence mm -hmm. and were psychologically abusing me. Right. And once that stopped, <laughs> mm -hmm. like, I was like, oh, I'm like, I woke up every morning and I was like, happy. And I'm like, is this how other people feel? Hmm. Because like, waking up in like, waking up in, um, Waking up in Virginia did not feel like that. I literally mm -hmm. had to, like, talk. I woke up and was like, God, couldn't I have just gone in my sleep? Like, why right. do, Like, why am I here? Like, what? That was every day. And I wow. thought that was normal. I was like, I, I was like, um, the ideation was a daily basis. Mm. And I just thought that was normal. And guess right. what? It's not normal. There are people who love you out right. there. You just have to find them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And like you said, you weren't, you weren't crazy. You were adapting to a crazy environment. Like you went into survival yeah. mode to keep yourself alive. Um, yeah. You know, and our, and our brains take us to unexpected places when we get into that kind of mindset. So I feel like that's really yeah. understandable. So I guess I, there's a couple of things I want to ask you about. So with, with the, the ideations, yeah, what did you find allowed you to keep going because i know that there are so many people who are suffering through it and I, I know that the rates of attempts and ideations are astronomical at this point in time especially among young people especially among the lgbtqia plus community what is it that you feel like allowed you to work through it or i guess just to to continue to exist um I don't know. I think, I think this took me 20 years. Mm. Hopefully it won't take anyone else that long. Mm. Um, I had to realize that I had a voice that needed to be heard and I had a purpose. And my purpose is to inject as much love and light into the world as possible through the vehicle of music. And mm. once I started acting and orienting my brain through like that purpose, mm. um, so I still battle with ideation, yeah. but I'm a lot, like, I got armor now, so mm -hmm. bring it. Right. So, like, <laughs> Love that. So, like, I still wrestle, but, like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm ready for, I'm a trained soldier going into battle with a full set of armor, um, eight rations of food, mm -hmm. and a backpack. So, you know what? Let it rain. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, you you got a reason, a reason to stick around. You you found that meaning, you found that purpose, and that I think, regardless of anything else, is that that is like you said, that is some armor that is difficult to cut through. Yeah, I love that. Um, so you've gone to LA, right? And you've felt this more freedom. You are thinking differently, feeling differently, and so you began to really embrace music, and you really took your best shot at it. Yeah. What, what was that experience like for you? It was so hard. <laughs> it sounds really it was difficult. It so hard because, and I don't mean this, um, I don't, I don't mean this narcissistically. Uh -huh. Um, I'm good at what I do. I am really good at what I do. You want to know why? Mm -hmm. Because I study psychology and I can read an audience, which is there you half go. of it. Mm -hmm. And I like to make people smile, and I like people to self-identify through the gift of music, and I like people coming home from a show that I do and feeling like a reset happened in their mm. brain. 
Um, and so that's how I approach it. So I was bringing mm -hmm. that and getting told, you're too short, you're too ugly, you don't sing good, you don't, which isn't true. But um, Goodness. I guess the hardest part was um, all these people were telling me I wasn't good. Mm -hmm. Including the people in Virginia. They said, good luck in LA, you are not that talented. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, yeah, like what, like I, like I always knew I was talented, but mm -hmm. like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's something I'm very, I'm very confident in my ability As you should um, be. to work a crowd, but it, it was really hard hearing no, mm -hmm. um, for 15 years. I still get no, and in LA, I had a lot of close calls. Mm -hmm. Um, I got on So You Think You Can Dance season 11. Oh, um, I got on, um, Russian Doll, the show, mm -hmm. um, with Natasha Leon, the Netflix wow. show. Um, I got on America's Got Talent, and here's the thing. Um, just because they film you doesn't mean they air you. Mm. So for any of you aspiring musicians listening, you can... I've had friends who have um, been picked on a team, like, for The Voice, and then they say, oh, we picked too many, come try again next Oh, no. all the time. So I've been cast for things, filmed, and then Goodness. given the food. And I have nothing to show for it other than my words. Yeah, <laughs> that is tragic. Um, the industry's really tough. It's really yeah. tough. And um, from studying like Jim Carrey, Robin Williams, mm. um, all the people who have serious longevity in the business, mm -hmm. um, it's not about talent. It's about how long you can last and about not giving up. The most successful people you see have A, money, mm -hmm. or B, didn't give up. Like mm -hmm. Taraji B. Henson. She's like, I've been at this for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And then I finally got my big break. And you're like, 20 years? Right. 20 years of sleeping in your car, 20 mm -hmm. years of EBT, 20 years of people you like telling you no, like 20. Right. And that's how I know I was born to do this because I'm willing to suffer. Like mm -hmm. I slept in my car to make an album. Wow. And I had no shame. <laughs> wow what was that process like i would love to hear about that um so that was out in la so once i moved to la i realized things were very expensive yeah and i said okay i'm like i can't afford this so um i was like i want to make my music but for those of you listening um if you want to look at my spotify the the past few songs that i released cost ten thousand dollars each so if you want to do music right, you either have to A, go to a school, learn how to produce, mix, and master, which are all, it gets into music science, which is right. great. Like, you have to have degrees for these things, or you have to um, do it for years and years and years and years. These are very developed skills, um, which is why, like, um, my producer who, um, my producer, well, my sound engineer, who also, he did Justin Bieber's Purpose album, mm. um, and he got nominated for that. Wow. Um, there's a reason why these people charge, can charge thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars because mm -hmm. it's, the they are literal musical surgeons. Right. They're performing technical. They have to learn the science of music. They have to learn the hurts. They have to learn, like it's it's very, very, they're surgeons. Mm -hmm. um, so respect, but yes. yeah, absolutely. I was like, this is too, I was like, I don't have enough time. Mm -hmm. This is way too expensive. And I can't even afford a personal student. Like, how am I going to do this? So um, I have an EP. It's on YouTube. I took it off iTunes because, God, it's not great. But, like, it got oh. me to where I am. Oh. It was my first EP. It's okay. It's subpar. Mm -hmm. It's called 2,800 Miles. 
Um, and to make that EP, I said, I can't pay rent mm-hmm. and make music. So I said, guess what? I'm going to sleep in a gym. And I did. Wow. I lived in a gym. I mean, they don't know. I mean, if they're uh-huh. watching now, they know. But yeah. How did <laughs> I you? I got a gym every time. I slept in the gym. And uh-huh. then I used all of the money I was making from um, nursing. Mm-hmm. And I was able to finally pay people these hundreds, thousands of dollars to actually right. make things of quality. Um, so, yeah, once I learned how to, like, because I had, I had the creativity, but I didn't have the execution. Mm. So when you don't have the execution, you have to pay people. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can't do everything. You can't. Like, you can't. Right. You can't. You can't write, sing, produce, choreograph. Bro. I mean, you can to a certain degree, but if you don't have money mm-hmm. and you don't have time, you have to mm-hmm. you have to level with yourself and be like, realistically, as a human, what can I do? Mm-hmm. And also maintain a sense of health. <laughs> like, right, right. Um, so, yeah. I, does that answer your question? Yeah, it, it absolutely does. I, I believe so. Okay. I believe so. I can't remember what I asked, um, but I enjoyed okay. what you said. So, <laughs> uh, so, so you kind of accepted that you know you had to make this choice of you know, it's either rent or music, and given yep. that music is the thing that has the meaning, we're choosing some music. Yep. Um, what was that time in your life like? However, I, I imagine that brings some difficulties with it, having that. You know that that life of of having to sleep in a gym and and having to do all of that in order to to pursue the thing that you love. Um, it gave me really thick skin. Mm, so I, I wasn't. Um, are are you familiar with the um the hierarchy of needs like that pyramid? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So okay. Awesome. Okay. Mm-hmm. I forget you're. Okay, you do this for a living. I don't. Need to do <laughs> um, no, you're all good. <laughs> um. So. This and this is just my personal experience. I don't know anyone else who's ever been homeless. I don't know what your experience is, but when I was homeless um, and focusing on music, um, I was focused on survival. Mm-hmm. So the other like tiers of the pyramid did not even register in right. my brain. I wasn't like, who am I? What does it mean? What's my purpose? Like when you get right. to the top, I was just like, food, shelter, survival, music. Like mm-hmm. so, my brain didn't even think about any of that stuff and honestly when i was homeless my mind was the quietest really that was the most peaceful time of my life Hmm. because i was just like when's my next meal gonna be Mm -hmm. and when can i get to the studio like that's it right i had to worry about um right and and la is great to be homeless because it's so warm outside so Mm, true true (laughs) i suppose that's fair yeah (laughs) but my friends were mean they were Mm. not um and I got a lot of crap mm-hmm. from a lot of people. They're like, this is stupid. This doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And then once my song started getting hundreds of thousands of views, then they were like, oh, yeah, man, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> That's <laughs> shut a shame. Up. Because when I was homeless, when I was homeless mm-hmm. for four years, none of y'all were saying that. You guys were mm-hmm. making fun of me. And now that it act- it's actually starting to pay off, people, I have a following and people are actually yeah. listening to my music now you guys are you all want to jump on the bandwagon no ma'am uh-huh yeah <laughs> <laughs> and you get to determine that that's the yeah. amazing thing uh, <laughs> so i it, and i could definitely understand the the um when you have less things to worry about you know things are very straightforward so i, I can get that I, I imagine there's still a great deal of difficulty to it but i i get that aspect that makes sense um yeah. Do you still notice, I guess, remnants of 
the kind of mindset that you had to be in at that time? Like, you know, because like when we when we get into survival mode, especially for a really long period of time, you know, it's it's difficult to just fully then transition into something else and to never feel like you're teetering on the edge of something or anything like that. Do, do you ever notice those kinds of things? No, because I never got out of survival mode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jeez. still in survival mode. Oh, there I'm we go. For, I'm still in the quarter quell. We're still mm -hmm. in Hunger Games. I'm waiting to go home. Like, right. I'm still here. Like, I'm still, I'm still fighting, and I'm still making mm -hmm. sacrifices, and I'm still living uncomfortably. Mm -hmm. um, but the, um, it's actually paying off now, so that's kind of like... Yes. Um, I'm actually reaping the fruits of my 20-year labor, right. finally. It took forever. Mm -hmm. but um, So that's kind of nice. And um, my fans are amazing, and they always reach mm -hmm. out to me. And they, So it's just like I'm, I'm very – the hard work's paying off, and I'm very, very um, blessed. But I am still in survival mode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> once I get yeah. out of it, I'll let you know. Yeah. You'll have to come back can, on. <laughs> yeah, and when I can – when I um, yeah, once I – once I get out of that mode, I'll I'll let you know, and then I can start my real healing journey, yes. not this 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 <laughs> the maintaining this journey. Healing journey. <laughs> I hear you, I hear you, uh, and I'm I'm excited for when you for when you get to that day. Um, <laughs> so I guess as we begin to wind down today, the last thing I did want to ask you about because I was looking at your website and you had um, a lot of things about yourself. I do want to ask you about Burning Man. What was it like getting to... So you, you performed at Burning Man? Um, four consecutive years. Oh, four, oh I um, thought you only did it once. Holy moly. No, no. Um, no. So I was a performer. So mm -hmm. um, I've never gone to Burning Man as an, as a performer. I didn't pay because mm -hmm. I was contributing to the festival. Right. So I couldn't even tell you what it costs or how. So I spin fire and mm -hmm. I worked with a... Um, a conclave and mm -hmm. got into burning man that way and here's the thing um i didn't know i was a hippie until i went mm -hmm. to burning man. <laughs> because and like people want to say all this crap about burning man and mm -hmm. stuff like that but here's the thing burning man is a choose your own adventure mm. it is anything you want it to be mm -hmm. are people doing uppers downers and candy corn yes and if that's what you want your experience to be that can be your experience mm -hmm. but um there's music, there's a kid's camp, there's a camp where you learn how to make textiles, there's mm. a dancing camp, there's a, it's a entire community of artists and everything is free. The only thing you pay for is the entry fee mm -hmm. and then people just give. Wow. They just give out of the kindness of their heart. And it's the most beautiful, it's the most beautiful experience I think I've had to date. Um, mm. Just to watch people um, interact without capitalism and everyone just freely giving right. out of the kindness of their heart and it's just like you can walk into a different camp at burning man mm -hmm. and they offer you food they offer you shelter they offer you clothing and it's wow. no questions asked they just respect your humanity and you drink for free but like, <laughs> <laughs> added um, bonus <laughs> um, and all the food is free people just cook chefs will just cook you gourmet food out of the kindness of their heart mm -hmm and listen to your troubles and you it's it's the most beautiful experience i've ever had and mm. thank you curtis houston um shout out to my my fire spinning mentor and for introducing me to that world because i didn't realize that could exist i didn't mm. realize a community of loving artists could just come together 
and appreciate each other and not judge each other um so it was it's incredible and it's um like i said it's a choose your own adventure my friends Mm -hmm. they volunteer at the kids camp there's a kids camp Mm -hmm. and um it's yeah it's amazing awesome i I, yeah that's that's a bucket list item i I really i would love to see burning man someday that is awesome i appreciate you sharing join a camp yes join a camp (laughs) don't do it on your own like your first Uh time like i would say join a camp because Mm -hmm. like the desert is that my dad's my dad was like a farmer and he's very rugged and rustic and so i was like raised around the outdoors and like Mm. harsh environments but some people aren't and right the desert gets to like 110 degrees right. with no clouds sometimes Ugh. and then like freezing at night. So you have to, you need some survival skills. Yes. <laughs> Gotta be ready. Unless you have money, you can get an RV, but like definitely mm-hmm. do your research and get in with a camp and everyone's super nice. Hmm. Like, I love that. Yeah. Well, hey, I'll, I'll have to let you know about that when I get to go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Gio, I greatly, greatly appreciate you coming on and talking with us. Um, I'm so thrilled that we have finally got to talk after all this time. Um, yeah. But anything, as, as we come to a close, anything you would like to plug before you head out? Anything you would like to say to the people at home? Um, oh, if you want to know anything about me, go on my website. My website has everything. Like, I want to plug the website. It has every news article I've ever been featured in, including Yahoo. Hey-o, worked 20 years to get that recognition. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I slept in my car for that Yahoo article. Thank Mm -hmm. you. (laughs) Um, So my website has all of my music, all my stuff, and also the background between the songs um, so you understand what they mean. Or if you don't, if you just want to dance to them, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I want to plug my website. And to anyone at home... um, I just want to say, um, if you struggled with anything that I've struggled with, um, or if you struggle with a deep sense of identity, or you think you're crazy, you're not. Um, (laughs) And there is love out there, and I urge you to search for it. You have to search for it. It's there. Um, And yeah, I wish everybody light and love and... um, I'm sorry, life is so tough, mm-hmm. but um, don't ever feel ashamed for wanting to feel a sense of belonging or a sense of community. That's how the human brain is designed neurologically. That's how we're designed. We need each other. We cannot survive without each other. That's how we've dominated the earth for so many years. We are pack animals. We need each other. Don't ever let American capitalist individualistic philosophy make you believe it's wrong for you to need someone else or to reach out we need each other and Mm. do not feel ashamed of that we're human let yourself be human (laughs) Mm, oh yeah okay that's it (laughs) (laughs) oh geo thank you again so much for coming on thank you for all your kind words uh again everybody if you want to check out geo's stuff uh his website is geonationempire.com you can also find him on spotify as geonation so yeah, Gio, thank you so much, uh, and thank you, thank you to Rob. absolutely, and thank you to everyone who watched live here on YouTube and everybody who is listening later on. Uh, my name is Rob. This has been the Please Stay Inside podcast. Please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. We'll talk again soon.